Welcome, everyone, to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you fine listeners. My name is Aaron Spears. And my name is Mike Wint. And this episode's challenge is Best Picture Nominees. So these are each picks from us that uh, are not the winners, but they are certainly nominees and and those that, uh, you know, that you know, maybe were, should they have been the winners, uh, you know, per, perhaps. Oh, I didn't think about that angle, actually, because I actually would not pick the, <laughs> the one <laughs> I chose for this particular episode as the winner for that year. But uh, it's a close, it'd be a close second, I think. Mike, what's your what's your history? Were you a, an, a, an Oscar nerd, like, growing up? Or did you get in the Oscars later in life? Or did you lose interest in the Oscars at some point as we, oh, as we yeah. age through? I have definitely, I am definitely an Oscar nerd, uh, to the, to the core. And, you know, especially since I, I think I, I started getting into it around, gosh, like 94, the year that, uh, Forrest Gump, uh, was up for it. And I'm not really sure why, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just happened to catch it. And then the following year, it, it was just one of those things where 95 it, you know, it, and I think I was, I was only 12 or so, but I was really into the movie Apollo 13. So like, oh, I remember yeah. just really, I was like rooting for that movie. And uh, I was like, what, what is this Braveheart movie? You know, <laughs> you know, cause I think it was released earlier that year, but you know, being 12, I probably, you know, wasn't really that in tune with it with, with everything that was coming out. So I think I remember that particular year, like Peter Travers had his top 10 and he specifically made a top 10 that did not include Apollo 13. He was just like, Apollo 13 is a great movie and it's probably going to win a bunch of Oscars, but here's 10 movies that you really should know about. So that that's where I started getting. And when it started losing, uh, all these big categories. It was, you know, I think that's when I started really getting into the Oscars. It was just like, you know, how do you crack this code? <laughs> like, <I> mean, <laughs> you know, um, so, but, but, but how about you? I think it's probably around the same time. Cause, uh, 90, I always screw this up with the Oscars 90. So the films of 94 get an award in spring 95. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah Cause that one, um, that I think that was that was such a stacked year because it's like Shawshank, Quiz Show, Pulp Fiction. Right. I feel like Ed Wood was around that time. I, I know Four Weddings and a Funeral. I think was one. Oh of yeah, the yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, I mean, such like a great year for for everything that. I, and I think because we're we're about the same age too. Like Pulp Fiction was one of those movies I remember. Like, could not wait to see in the theater. I was already you know a film geek to a certain extent then, but like reading interviews with Tarantino and like that, that just cracked yeah. the whole world open um, working at a video store a couple of years later. Yeah. I think it was probably around the same time. I remember having friends over, I was a theater nerd in high school. So, um, you know, all my friends from theater, we, we'd have uh, I'd host like, you know, an Oscar party and make up ballots for everybody to vote. And we'd had the, um, you know, chalkboard in my room. So we'd bring that down to the living room and keep track of who, who had the most and uh, uh, most guesses and all that stuff. All those arguments about like, no, no, I'm saying, I think this will win, but I don't want that to win. I want to be perfect because like Forrest Gump yeah. looked like it was going to sweep that year. I remember, but yeah, and I, I like I've uh, I usually always go to some kind of party. Um, you know, my late friend uh, Rob Lucas used to host these really great parties, um, and then uh, I, you know, the last couple of years I've been at a, a friend, uh, another friend's house, uh, 
and uh, we always fill out our ballots. And, and usually I, you know, come in as the, you know, I, I usually win, but you know, the last, I think the last year it was determined that I was going to be the, the judge adjudicator in case there was, <laughs> there was a tie. So I, I'm okay with that. You know, so instead I, of being able to play, since you keep winning, you have to be the judge it, now. Yes. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a promotion, but a, a, a diss at the same time. Right. right. <laughs> hey, other people got to have the chance. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, you know, share the wealth. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> well, so Mike, what did you what did you end up picking of all the Best Picture nominees uh, that are out there, which is obviously more than the number of Best Picture winners? What did you pick uh, for this particular watch challenge? Sure. So uh, the one thing, and obviously this is an audio podcast, but, uh, you know, as soon as uh, your video turned on, you know, over your uh, shoulder is the the movie that I picked, which is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, um, yes. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That your son? No, that's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> oh, the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? Fried, you Nazi bastards! (laughs) Seems this world got you down. You're feeling bad, bad, racial. Are you an actor? No, I'm a stuntman. Oh, you still the wreck, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. The reason why, and, and, and one of the things is like, I know this is a, it's more of a recent and it's something that's like very high profile, but the reason I ended up kind of going with this and in my mind uh, thinking about this was kind of how I alluded at the beginning is each year. I always have like uh, my preferences Mm. and then of course, you know, I have like the, the picks and I'm very happy that Parasite won the best picture in, in 2019. Mm. But I think as time goes by that once upon a time in Hollywood, I, I I just have this weird feeling. It's like, it's going to be one of those ones that, that the Academy wishes that they could have, they could switch it up and, and pick it. And, and part of the reason, and, and, and obviously, uh, you know, this is, uh, uh, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, it stars, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and it stars Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, you know, a, a very like a who's who of recent Hollywood. But the reason that, um, I think that film really resonated with me was just the almost like effortlessness that it seems uh, almost, uh, and I guess deceptively so, but like the, just the, the breeze at which it's made and in the way how the actors go through the dialogue. Um, and I think it's, it's Tarantino's uh, arguably his funniest film. Oh yeah. Uh, but then also it has just these moments that kind of reflect the the modern Hollywood, um, even though it's talking about the the end of you know the golden age of Hollywood. 
I mean, I, I was talking about this earlier this week because uh, just, uh, you know, don't, don't look up just came out on Netflix mm-hmm. and DiCaprio has this, this monologue that he gives on a, a kind of like a, a daily buzz kind of news show that had me, and actually I saw it um, at the Cedar Lee when they had it for a couple weeks and uh, I was dying of laughter and i think i was like one of the only ones uh <laughs> but it made me think of the scene in which dicaprio who you know in the film plays this kind of aging uh star and uh he's probably towards the the you know the the end of his career but he's guest guest starring on this show and he 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 botches a line and when it goes to the scene where he's inside of a trailer basically lambasting himself for doing this. Damn it, Rick. I swear to God. Fucking lines. Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. Well, you're drinking all night. Fucking drinking again. Eight goddamn fucking whiskey sours. <sighs> fucking bullshit. <laughs> you're a fucking miserable drunk. You're fucking remembering your fucking lines. I practiced them and now I don't look like I goddamn practiced them. You're sitting there like a fucking baboon. It's one of those things like it makes me cry of laughter when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm watching it, but also <laughs> shows the depth of the the characters that uh, that Tarantino has created for this film. So when I I like honestly when I whenever I watch the movie, I have to I'll, I'll watch that scene like two or three times. Like I'll, I'll rewind it. Yeah, just rewind, rewind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's just it's one of those things, and I think you know there are certain aspects about the film, like the, the production design, the, the cinematography is great. And obviously he has such a talent for, um, you know, using, uh, music, uh, Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. And, and using like the old radio bits, uh, from, from that era. I was gonna say, it's not just the music. It's like, it's, you're listening to the radio with him. Cause like you got the KHJ and you got the real Don steel on there and there's ads for mug root beer. And like, it just, it feels like the world of radio that everyone experiences. Oh, exactly. It, I, yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's one of those things like, I don't know, maybe it, it could be a thing where maybe Tarantino has maybe turned off some people in, in the voting body of the Academy. And maybe they felt like, you know, let's, let's give it to this, this other film because I, I feel like, if if Tarantino does stick to his ten movies and I'm done, oh right, right. The odds of of him being in the history books, uh, you know, winning Best Picture or Best Director, right? You know, I mean, unless he knocks it out of the park, you know, it might be hard to think, I, I hard to come by. And I I think this was the I, I in my opinion, I, I just really think you know because it is the Academy voting on it and it's mm-hmm. industry people. This is probably the most obvious choice that that could have been made, but yeah. but Parasite, you know, 
once again, a great film. And uh, it's something that, that I like to rewatch uh, already. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, the whole kind of narrative of Bong Joon-ho is just such like a charismatic person and everything. Yeah. And, you know, that was a great moment, of course, but I really, I was just like, wow. Um, I, I think they, they really missed the, the ball on that. I was thinking it was, that was my pick that year. Cause I thought it was going to win best picture, but I was like, oh, you know, Parasite may pull it off. I wasn't sure. Really sure. And sure. I was cheering for Parasite. I, I liked Once Upon a Time uh, more. I'm not, I, I just want to sound like I'm anti-Parasite. It's not an easy. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I love Parasite. <laughs> Obviously. But it's so good. Hollywood and the Oscars specifically and the Academy specifically love rewarding stories about themselves. Right. And right. I thought, well, this is, this is like, this is the one then like <laughs> yeah. there, there's a history of them doing that. And not even just above themselves, but like the notorious uh, winner um, crash. Yeah. Like movie that I wasn't a huge fan of at the time. I don't think holds up at all or that well, but like, Oh, it's set in LA and it's about LA. And I was like, okay, God, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it's just one of those things where you're like, they tend to vote for the movies that are about Hollywood or about show business. Um, I mean, that same year, Renee Zellweger won for playing Judy Garland. Right. And there were other, you know, amazing performances that went, uh, you know, unrewarded. Um, and I was like, well, is it because it was a great performance or is that also because there's a whole, like, it's a Hollywood icon that she's playing? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, that year, and I, I think it was Joaquin Phoenix who, who won for Joker. Yeah. Best actor, but I was just really, and I know DiCaprio won a few years before, but I, I was just, I was like, man, like this is the role that I think that he should get it for. But Hey, you know, it, it it's like, once again, it's going to, I think it's going to stand up and, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, 20 years down the line, we can revisit this and I might be wrong, but, um, no, I was with you on that one. Cause also if you think about his role in that one, he's playing like, I think it's like three or four roles. Like I was counting it as yeah. I was going through a second or third watch. Cause he's playing Rick Dalton, but you also watch him play Jack Cahill. You also watch him play, uh, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whatever. Decato or, um, yeah. Yeah, that whole joke. So like he's playing and he, and he's different in all of those parts. Cause he's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what, I mean, nothing against Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, that, no, no, no. You know, that was a great performance as well, but yeah, I mean, it's it just, you know, it, this upcoming year, like, I feel like there's going to be some really tough calls uh, or, you know, I feel like I, I get very confident about who's going to win, but mm-hmm. I mean, this year there's, there's quite a few great films uh, that, you know, but yeah, it's it just, it, it's always like one of those things where I wish I was, I mean, you know, I work in the industry. I wish I was a member, but I, I don't, you know, not a lot of locations, people in, in Academy. <laughs> and if that was an award, it wouldn't be televised anyway. Right. Exactly. <laughs> other, tech ones. <laughs> so, so Aaron, uh, tell us, tell us what you have picked. So I, uh, I went back a little bit further further than that. I actually, I was trying, my favorite era is the new Hollywood era, like the late sixties, oh, seventies. And I was like, oh, let me see what was rewarded, you know, in that time period. And a lot of, I want also, I wanted to watch something I hadn't seen before. So like most of those I'd, I'd kind of seen. So I was like, okay, well, let's keep moving along here. So I went all the way up to 1980, which is not really new Hollywood territory, but um, <laughs> there was uh, the movie Atlantic City in 1980, mm. the Louis Malle, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I've always just read his name. I haven't really said it out loud too much. <laughs> Atlantic City. It will change every idea you ever had about winning and losing. You looked. You spilled your drink. Oh, no, no, you took your eyes up. You allow me to distract you. Teach me stuff. Susan Sarandon. Like what? 
she has the ambition. What you know? Bert Lancaster has the experience. I'll think about it. Just hand him this. I'll wait outside. Hey, you ain't trying to set me up now, are you? I'm trusting you. I left a fortune in your apartment. What are you talking about? Alone, they might not make it. Together, they might not survive. That I'd always wanted to see because I like him as a director. Pretty famous for My Dinner with Andre, which came up a few years after that. Um, He did one called The Lovers in 58 that being, uh, well, we're both in in Cleveland here, but uh, there's a famous Supreme Court case that came out that was... um, Jacobellis versus Ohio. I think it was like a theater owner who was sued for showing the lovers because it was pornographic. It's not, <laughs> but uh, it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and that was the famous decision where it was like, "I'll know it when I see it." Was how uh, I forget the justice's name, like to find pornography. Yeah, um, and said like, "No, this movie can go out there." And then I'm all for movies stirring shit up and uh, causing a little bit of commotion there. And it, it's interesting to watch because I watched the lovers maybe like five six years ago, and I was like, I can't believe this was a, a cause celeb. Like when it came out, you're like, it's just because like culture we live in now like you can have actual porn on your phone in public if you think it's not that difficult (laughs) and uh this was a big deal back then but um anyway all that to say atlantic city um also checked off another um another recent obsession of mine which is uh, i never really paid that much attention to burt lancaster's career Mm. and during noir vember watching film noir movies throughout november i watched the killers and brute force which brute force may not be noir it's set in a prison uh, but has a lot of noir aesthetics and themes to it and i was like man burt lancaster holy shit and so I'm a bigger fan of younger Burt Lancaster, but I was like, I'll take him in any form. He's in this yeah. small film with um, Susan Sarandon. And so it's all set in Atlantic City. It's it's really like a late 70s movie because it, you know, uh, it's set in, it's not, it's 1980s when it came out, but like the 70s weren't quite done yet. Sure. Um, although there is cocaine as a big portion of the plot of this one. So that's a bit more <laughs> 80s. <laughs> um, but Burt Lancaster is just this dude, low level hoodlum who's been in Atlantic City for, I think, pretty much his whole life. No, they referenced that he was in Vegas like 20 some years ago. But it's the time period in Atlantic City where it's like he's of like the Boardwalk Empire era, sort of like the tail end of that. But he's like the aged guy who just never left then. Yeah. And in 1979, 1980, when the movie is set, gambling has just been legalized. So it's like, you know, the, the gambling money is moving in. So it's it's a weird and it's not quite gentrification, I guess, but it's a complete redo of the idea of Atlantic City. Like the old apartments and different stores are being bulldozed or demolished in order to build these brand new casinos and become this vacation. I was already a vacation resort destination. See Boardwalk Empire, you know, for that. But so he's like this low level guy whose whose mob nickname was Numbnuts. <laughs> apparently and they don't play it up for comedy even though it's kind of funny like it played up as like this tragedy that he was just never the gangster he wanted to be and when we when we join him in this movie he is um he's running numbers on the streets for like chump change like this is not this is not he's not high up at all in uh in organized crime or anything um and then susan sarandon is i guess we'll say like the love interest uh, but it's not one of those like it's okay it's kind of a weird like what is that may may december kind of romances um it's more like adoration and she is like an up she's working her way up because she wants to get a job at a casino so she's taking like i guess like croupier kind of lessons um in order to be a card dealer and her ambition is to have enough money to kind of be a little bit more worldly she's listened to like an italian operas and arias and she's trying to learn french and she wants to go to the riviera like she just she wants to be more cultured than she actually is and since he can uh hustle with actually can't hustle with the best of them he hustles okay to get by um, but he presents himself as this cultured gangster who like knows the area and like he used to be cellmates with Bugsy Siegel and all this stuff. <laughs> and you, you sort of see it. You see 
two directions. You got like kind of the old Atlantic City and the new Atlantic City within these two characters. And you see it physically changing around them as well, which is really interesting. And you've got Susan Sarandon with like kind of like the um, the rosy outlook of like the whole, whole life is in front of her. She has all these grand plans. Yeah. And the reality sets in of like, what can you actually do, though? Because you're working at like the oyster bar at this casino right now, like you're barely scraping together rent. Um, so reality is kind of creeping in as the movie goes on. But for him, too, like he spins all these yarns, but like he still lives in the same shitty apartment building that she does, their neighbors. And they do end up hooking up by way of her ex-husband or estranged husband. They're still married, comes into town with her sister who he is impregnated. And so she's like, get the fuck out of here or whatever. But he's also coming to town with some uh, some dope, some cocaine that he stole from the mob. And so he's trying to sell it to make a quick buck. It's not really a spoiler. It's in the first 20 minutes or so. He gets off by the mob because they catch him. But the the dope is still out there that Burt Lancaster can now, he starts selling. And so he's now got money. He's got a new suit, get a new hat. He's a little bit more flashy with the money. He's helping her out. And so you see this interesting relationship develop. And then you get to see Burt Lancaster kind of fulfill his like fantasies of being a big time gangster. Cause like he's dealing dope now. I'm like, it's not that much dope, but it's, you know, he's making some money there and you know, it's going to end cause it's only so much. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting uh, film that as a location guy, Mike, I think you would enjoy because the location is very much a character Yeah, in, in the movie. They uh, they film it a really interesting way where where the the commentary of like the glitz and glamour of these brand new casinos that are opening up versus like these decrepit old buildings that are being demolished. So, like I said, that it's also represented in the characters. Um, it's also one of those unique movies that once it was done, I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember there being any. I don't think there's any music in this movie, like a score. And you look it up, yeah. and there wasn't. It's all um, is that what is that diegetic sound? It's all sourced in in the story itself. Interesting. Um, so that 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 made it that made it really interesting, I thought, because it didn't. It's not one of those that stands out to you when you're watching it, like, oh, where's the music at? Because the emotional beats are all perfect. They're, you know, these actors are hitting their hitting their marks uh, and hitting the notes perfectly. This is a Susan Sarandon like way pre Bull Durham. This is like a post Rocky Horror Picture Show. It was only a couple years <laughs> yeah. ago at this point, and um, she was actually dating Louis Mal at the time. I was looking up a little bit of uh, her bio at that time period, and she brought the um, the playwright whose name I'm forgetting now. It's John Guar. Guerre or something. He's the guy who wrote Six Degrees of Separation. Oh, uh, she okay. brought Sarandon brought him in. Uh, he's like, oh, he's got this story idea, Lou. Like, why don't you take a look at this thing? So she's just credited as actress in this one, but like really got the project going by nature of who she was dating at the time and a playwright she knew or had worked with. And I was like, hey, this all just gels really, really well together. This is a movie that, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, I have never seen, but it's one of those ones that. I know for for whatever reason vividly like the the DVD cover or like the I had the, that too. The poster is yeah. like very like it, it's something that I as soon as you said it I know what it looks like mm-hmm. and I don't know why I haven't watched it. I mean, and obviously there there's so many movies. You know, oh yeah, yeah. But, like uh, I haven't either until you know challenge accepted, and I was like, you know, I've always meant to click play on that one. Yeah, uh, but. But no, I mean the the more you're talking about it, it's like I I'm actually I'm pretty intrigued to like you know give it give it a go. But for some reason, I always I always equated it when I was younger with Nashville or so or like you know I thought maybe it was an Altman movie mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason I don't know why. But well, it's the name of a city and uh, yeah the, <laughs> the, the 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 poster or box art I I know what you're talking about like they're similar. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's about like the like bright the lights, big, like and, neon yeah. letters almost or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, <laughs> it's also an interesting to watch just as a 
as film history geeks, um, this is a it's, it's technically a gangster movie, but it's like that low level gangster movie that you get in like um, like Mean Streets kind of style. Like it's 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 the hoodlums, not like the top of the family chart. But this is like a post Godfather being like the biggest hit ever. Yeah. Uh, you know, was it 74, 76? Like, and he's not going like this big Shakespearean operatic, you know, grand story. It's like a very intimate, like what, what it's like for a low level hoodlum to kind of like barely scrape together a living, but also be aging <laughs> or aging, <laughs> yeah. I guess. And, you know, you don't have that many years in front of you and what are you going to do and, uh, and all that. So is that one that, that you would say, uh, cause let's see what, what won the best picture that year? Uh, ordinary. I was just gonna, I was just gonna mention those to you. So the other nominees that year were um, on Golden Pond, Reds, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Chariots of Fire, which is what oh, won. Yeah, which I got to go with Raiders on that one because oh yeah, wow. absolutely. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of like my top five of all time. I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never seen Reds, so like Reds, I almost clicked play on, but I was like. When I was the night I was watching, I was like, I, I just don't have three hours right now. <laughs> that was something I, I did watch during the pandemic. It, it was like it was one of those things where it's like, I'm finally going to sit down because it was on one of the streaming services. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it took me a couple tries. I, I did. I did fall asleep uh, the first time, at least. But uh, but once I did finish it, it, it is a it is definitely worth it's worthy to watch. I think I saw it streaming in the pandemic too, but all I did was click add to watch list. I didn't actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't actually hit play just yet. But then uh, yeah. Beatty won best director uh, that right. year for so Chariots of Fire won the film, and then uh, Beatty won best director. So uh, interesting, uh, interesting. I was going to say your year too was uh, with Once Upon a Time was stacked because it's also more oh, than yeah. five movies now. You got nineteen seventeen, Marriage Story, Little Women, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, and Ford versus Ferrari, which. I, I would have been happy with most any of those, actually. Yeah, uh, it, winning best picture. That was a year where, like, legitimately, I enjoyed each. I mean, not like I don't enjoy all of the nominees, like each year. I mean, but there's some that tend to get like the that critical, you know, uh, pat on the back or you know, like the, mm-hmm. the praise, and you're just like, why, you know, why? But but this was one, and like even. I think like some people like immediately thought, okay, four V Ferrari, they kind of tossed it to the side or something as being like the lesser of all of them. But that's, that's a damn entertaining film in, in my opinion, at least. But, I gotta be honest. That's actually um, that and Jojo rabbit are the ones I haven't caught up with from that year. Oh, I, so. I, I enjoyed both of those. And that like Jojo like tends to be like a love or hate kind of thing for some mm-hmm. reason. But maybe because of some of it makes people uncomfortable. But uh, I think comedies tend to do that too. Because I'm like, as you mentioned, uh, when you're talking about um, DiCaprio's performance um, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Don't Look Up, which just came out, I, I'm seeing that be kind of divisive too. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it's I think it's like sitting at like like fifty ish on Rotten Tomatoes and um but, Oh really I hadn't actually looked I just watched it the other day but I haven't looked it up yet. Yeah. it's like I think it's like fifty six or something on oh. Rotten Tomatoes, but then when it came out, it seems to be the the general public seems to be uh really into it. Um but I don't know. I, I posted about it the other day and, and this one person just commented that uh, they thought it was the worst movie ever made. And I was like, wow, oh. that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty damning, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. 
a accusation, but um, you know, I I didn't really agree with that. But <laughs> as, as as two ex uh, movie theater guys, that was one of my least favorite comments here. People were walking out of a movie and like, oh yeah, what you think? Like, and I get it, it's hyperbole. You, yeah. you were angry because maybe <laughs> yeah. the indie didn't work, or whatever. But I remember a lady walking out of Birdman. Like, <laughs> inarguably, not the worst movie ever made. Right. And she's just like, oh, worst thing ever made. And in my head, I'm like, oh, you're at work, be nice. But I'm like thinking like, really, like, Dirty Grandpa came out. Like, what, right. what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was like one of my least favorite phrases to hear people say. And, and I tend to like the, you know, some of the, like the bad movies. So it's like, I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I can't, if you put a gun to my head and said, what's the worst movie ever made? I, I don't know. I don't know if I could really Ooh, accurately yeah. answer that because <laughs> I think art is subjective. And <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I love the, I'll, I'll purposely watch the room, you know, over and over again. So it's a, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> I, I just watched uh Birdemic um, for the first time <laughs> with uh, my son who's um, 13 or just turned 14. A bunch of his friends are watching on discord. And I was like, I, let me just watch along with you. And I was like, this is a riot. Like I get that. It's not, you know, it's no Atlantic city. Right. Um, but like, there's still a value to it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, a, that's a hard one, but <laughs> so, so far we've been pretty well so far it's one episode, but uh, we were pretty good at like the movie that you, you picked also you enjoy. Oh, absolutely. So I feel like with watch challenges, sometimes you pick something and you're like, Oh God, that was a stinker. But uh, speaking of bad movies, but you know, yeah, I, I feel like I do need to challenge myself a little more on the next one uh, to find something more obscure. But uh, but yeah, this uh, this was fun to just kind of you know revisit that that movie, even though it only came out two years ago. It's just like I don't know. I, I feel like it's one of those instant kind of classics in my eyes. It I think as as you were describing it too, it was one of those like I saw in the theater opening weekend. It's a Tarantino. I'm going to be there, and then. Um, I was like, oh, that was really, really good. But then it just stuck in my head. And I was playing the soundtrack over and over again, just driving around or going to work. And I was like, it was a that wonderful feeling when you watch a great movie where like you're just compelled, like I need to go. Well, it's also like it's you need to go hang out with it again. Like I wanted to go hang out with those characters in that world again and again. And the more I think it was like the I wrote in my film journal, I was like, I think the third time I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, I'd love it even more. <laughs> it, well, it grew like with each viewing because like you kind of knew what was there. You just sort of settled in and like hung out with these characters. And um, not yeah, that I, I wouldn't find that with Parasite necessarily, although it's a little more uncomfortable to hang out in that film universe than Once Upon a Time. Right. Uh, but well, I, it's one of those that it's it's aging very, very well. I think it's kind of like how where my mind's at with, uh, you know, licorice pizza uh which mm. just came out i mean i i think it's i instantly kind of lump it into the category of one of those movies that i want to revisit again and i think on more viewings it's going to get even better in, in my eyes but uh you know i know it's sometimes it's too early to to get too hyped about a movie but uh, yeah but i don't know that's just one that i that i kind of feel like well is heading that way for me i had the same feeling too because there's certain directors and pta is one of those two where i'm like i'm i cannot help but inadvertently hype myself up too much when they have a new movie coming <laughs> yeah. out because they're not yeah. pumping these out like every year and uh so like they're always overhyped in my own head because of how much i uh adore their previous work yeah and then so like you got to watch that first time and kind of just to get it out of the way <laughs> so like okay now i know what they were doing this whole thing now i can just sort of settle in and usually the second, second or third viewing is where like, well, also like with Inherent Vice, second or third viewing was when I finally felt I got my head around the plot. Yes. Like, yes. Oh, okay. I'm seeing all these intricacies now that I just couldn't have uh, seen the first time through. 
Well, Mike, what are we uh, what are we challenging ourselves with next time? So the next challenge is going to be one word title. So I'm sure there's lots of uh, areas where we can go with that, but uh, but yeah. yeah, for some uh, reason the first movie that came to mind was Twilight. I, I'm not re- I'm not rewatching <laughs> that one for sure. Um, uh, greed. Let's go with greed. Okay, yeah. I feel better now. Yeah. No, I was actually thinking like Moon like popped in my head, like the the Duncan Jones movie Moon. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, it's kind of funny because Twilight Moon kind of yeah. You know, there the you go. <laughs> but like I said, I'm going to challenge myself to find something that I have not seen. So. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Well, good chatting, uh, Mike. I look forward to seeing what you pick next time. We will uh, talk soon. Absolutely. Absolutely.